Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of MileHighSports.com, where you can find all of the best Nuggets content on the interwebs. Isn't that right, Brendan Vaughn? It's debatable. <laughs> Preference um, thing, I guess. If you like good content, I'd like to strongly suggest the Denver Stiffs, <laughs> DenverStiffs.com. Oh, God. Uh, so, as you have picked up already, that is Brendan Vote across from me. We are both in Salt Lake City, Utah, as we speak. The Nuggets just got done. What did they lose? Uh, 108-114 loss to the Utah Jazz. Their first division loss of the year. Um, before we get into all of the ins and outs and actually do what we used to do called the pick and pod, where we kind of each just bounce back and forth between our own thought processes in the game. Uh, first of all, a quick shout out to the Regulators Production Group. They are the ones that created the beats on the intro and outro of this podcast. And also a big shout out to Terrapin Carry Station, who is the presenting sponsor of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. So we're going to get into a whole lot of stuff. But before we do that, here's a quick word from Terrapin Care Station. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com. Okay, so like I was saying before, the Denver Nuggets had lost 114 to 108 tonight in Salt Lake City, Utah, in what was one of the more entertaining and just completely bonkers games that we have been able to see from this Nuggets team. Tonight felt like a playoff game. You could have picked a thousand different adjectives for this game and they all would have fit. It was strange. It was fun. It was ugly. It was high level basketball. It was all of those things at different points in the game. Playoff atmosphere is right. Credit to the Utah Jazz fans, man. That was my first time in Vivint, and we've heard a lot about that atmosphere. I think some of it is amplified by the acoustics, the design, <laughs> but those fans bring it, man, and they brought it tonight. Yeah, it's funny because we were talking about this before the game. All of the places that I've covered a basketball team, they have been also a combination hockey arena. And tonight was the first time I had been in an arena that was specifically for basketball. And just the dimensions are so much tighter. Like the fans are just so much closer to the court than you would actually anticipate um, being, you know, when we're in Denver and we see how much farther away fans usually are in that regard. But it, you're right. It was loud the acoustics were loud every time a three went up it was just wild and out in there and honestly my favorite part of them being loud was the booze that Nikola Jokic got every single time he touched the ball after the first quarter yeah booze because he got in the face of Jay Crowder shortly after the altercation with Plumlee and Favors which we'll talk about later Jokic didn't catch a technical probably could have should have yeah um, definitely should have but it was fun to see Jokic that fired up you'd like to see it translate to a win they'll see he certainly had a good game great second half 
But yeah, it was also cool because that's a little bit of a star player treatment. It is, it is. And it's like you got under the skin. People know that you're good enough to where they're worried about you. 100%. And it was... uh, Jokic... I was very close to turning to you in the first half and saying, not Jokic's best game. But then he turned it on. Yeah, he closed the second quarter strong. He was really good in the second half. To get that many rebounds... Uh, against a guy like Rudy Gobert is really impressive. And all defensive, too, for the most part. Like, he had three offensive boards, 18 defensive rebounds in this game. One for seven from deep wasn't awesome, but you can't really look at Jokic and say, well, he was the problem tonight. Yeah, and he was 9 of 14 inside the three-point line tonight scoring. Yeah, no, he did a great job. Um, Let's just start where we should start, though, which is the fights. Well, uh, fight, scuffle, very light shoving. In the NBA, this is constituting a... uh, I liked what Tim McMahon called it, a boo-ha-ha. Yeah. Um, but that's what it was. So what ended up happening is Mason Plumley gets an offensive rebound. Uh, Derek Favors gives him a little extra physicality and then pulls on his arm. And Mason Plumley wanted all the smoke. He did not want to. He was not about to let that just kind of float over and go on. He went after Derek Favors. I know that's going to get categorized as one of those fake NBA fights. And no one fought. No punches were thrown. I'd like to see no suspensions handed out. Although yeah, we'll see. We'll about talk about that in a second for stuff. sure. But I, to me. Just in person, I thought Plumley lunged at him with a purpose, man. He, he did. I wonder if the, the push is one thing. I wonder if something was said because Plumley's not that kind of guy. Yeah. But he was fired up, man. It was one of those things where you saw, like, there were daggers in his eyes. Like, he saw him and instincts kicked in. There was no actual thought process. It was, how fast can I get to Derek Favors to impose myself on him? Bunch of guys got in there to get between them, players, coaches. Looked like a couple of Nuggets players might have snuck on the floor. <laughs> we'll see. Um, they definitely got so, off the bench. Yeah, so Nikola Jokic, it was funny too because he was like, I didn't go on the court after the game. Think I, I think that Nikola Jokic thought that he was able to loophole the rule, but the rule is technically that you do not leave the immediate vicinity of the bench. And Nikola Jokic got about five steps down the baseline before getting yanked back by assistant coaches. So there is, I, I don't want to say a high likelihood, I would probably put it at like a a 60% chance that Nikola Jokic does not is not allowed to play against the Suns. Is that how you feel too? 60? I don't know. We'll see. It's high. The league has been leaning. It's over this. 50-50, I feel like, though, because he was like five steps down the baseline. The league has been sort of inconsistent yeah. and, and lenient, especially the star player. You want to talk about a test about the star player treatment. <laughs> That's a good point. Does Jokic get a pass here? I'd like to see. I am obviously biased, but no punches were thrown. No one really stepped on the court. They did get off the bench, but... And it was more just to check in. He wasn't even, like, trying to throw himself into the scuffle. Yeah, so I'd like to see no suspensions handed out um, to either team because it's... Look, emotions got the best of two guys. They separated them. Everyone moved on like adults. So, you know, hopefully that's... If you're the league, why draw attention to that when you can just let it go? Let me put it this way. We, I mean, I, I pre-wrote, well, Brandon Ewing pre-wrote an article that he that he could potentially be suspended. So people are preparing for him to be suspended. Yeah. Bobby Marks thinks he will be suspended, so we'll have to just wait and see. But that was not the only little kerfuffle that happened in this game. There was also Nikola Jokic, just like we talked about a little earlier, getting directly into Jay Crowder's face. And when I say directly, I mean his nose was touching Jay Crowder's forehead. Head at one point, they were so close together. Did you think that Nicola deserved a technical for that? Because I, I don't want to ever take money out of someone's pocket. But by the rules, like that was that was a point where the referees could have lost control of that game. I've seen technicals called uh, for less. Yes, but you know, an interesting thing about this game is outside of the ejections to Favors and Plumley, who were hit with double T's and, and, and sent out. And there was another double T handed out to Barton and Royce It wasn't O'Neal. a double T. It was a T for each of them. T for each yeah, of them. Yeah, because double T, they're ejected at that point. So 
you know, it's funny. Outside of that skirmish, there were no technicals called in this no, game. No, which is weird. This was a very, very chippy game. I thought the refs lost control. But you know what, man? I don't love talking about ref stuff. I know. I just I don't. You. you know, there was a lot. To, there's a it lot of meat so on this. so much that happened in this game this in that bone. regard. Yeah. But you're right. We should definitely move off this. But I do think that Nicola probably does take a suspension. But it's honestly, it's kind of like a forced rest day for him. Because, I mean, they're playing the Suns next. It's not exactly like they're going to have to worry about having a very high-end opponent against a division opponent. It's a, you know going to be a big-time game. If it does come down, it could have been at a much worse time. That's All where right. I'll leave it. Let's run that pick-and-pot action, TJ. My first note, Malone said at shoot-around this morning, he was, he was asked about what it takes to win in Utah, why it's so hard to win in Utah. Uh, he, he he finished a long quote with by saying, you need to play a clean game and you need to be locked in defensively. Yes. The Nuggets did neither of those things tonight. They tra- You have the final box score there. What was yeah. their total turnover count? So they had 16 turnovers, but even worse, they Utah turned it into 21 points. Yeah. Not a ton of turnovers, but poorly timed ones. And also, all turnovers are avoidable, but some more than others. The Denver Nuggets left their hands back in Denver. Yeah. I, they were, guys couldn't dribble. Guys couldn't catch. And, you know, we should give Utah a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. That is one of the stingiest defensive outfits in the league. They had their hands in there. They were physical, and um, they were not afraid to get physical at Denver, and it worked. But not not a strong, um, not, a, not a clean game from Denver as they needed. Yeah, and this is a good segue to something that I'm sure that both of us want to talk about in this pick and pod, is that Jamal Murray really struggled, and I think it was because of the on-ball pressure that, that Utah plays with defensively. I mean, they're, they are a terror on ball. They're a team that you have have to deal with physically they're going to be a very fundamentally sound defensive team and you're going to have nothing easy and Jamal Murray tonight three of 11 from the field he had two turnovers only three assists was a minus 20 which was the game low in this game only had nine points man like that was a really rough performance from Jamal he was not good tonight on either end he was bad tonight he was just bad just say that about a very very good player he was not good and Malone said after the game that some players did not seem mentally prepared They did not come ready to play. You have to wonder if he's in that group. Defensively, he looked lost. Offensively, he wasn't that killer we're used to seeing. You know, we'll talk about this here. There are there's a lot of conversation right now on the interwebs about Will Barton and rotation stuff, and there's some stuff to sort through there. But really, this is a close basketball game, and what was missing for Denver was those 18 points from Jamal, and uh, he just he didn't have it. I mean, Jamal Murray has to be able to produce more offensively than Ricky Rubio. Like, that's the way that I see this. Like, Ricky Rubio had 17 points tonight, 6 assists, and when he was matched up with Jamal Murray, he got the better of Murray almost every single time, and that was a problem for them. So I definitely thought Jamal struggled, and the other guy that struggled that we should talk about is Paul Millsap. This was a really rough game for Paul Millsap. He only played 18 minutes, TJ. I want to start there. That was the most notable thing, I thought, too. He did take a hard fall in the third, but from what we were told and what we were able to ask, it does not seem like he was injured. He might have been yeah. benched tonight, TJ. So I was I, I asked around about that, and from what I was told, there was not an injury concern that kept him from finishing out the game. So if I see this any certain way, I see it as Michael Malone felt more comfortable Tory Craig defending power forwards than Paul Millsap into that game, and that's a pretty wild thing to think up. Yeah, d- defensively maybe, but also I actually thought Millsap was okay defensively mm-hmm. tonight. He he did a great job helping out with those go bear pick and roll and lobs. That's like a one way you can torch Jokic. Um, just a guy who's just bigger, stronger, yeah. can jump higher. But I, I thought Pils- Millsap did a good job of getting in there and breaking that stuff up. He was one for eight. He was shot 12.5% from the field tonight. He only had five rebounds, and he was a minus 20. And uh, mm-hmm. so I think you just – and he took some some – 
Yeah. Ill, some ill-advised shots. So. We're learning very quickly that Paul Millsap cannot punish mismatches as he once did. There was two particular plays. One, he tried to just straight post up Joe Ingles, and Joe Ingles had him literally shooting behind the backboard. He moved him so far off the line. And then Donovan Mitchell just straight stood him up. It did look like he was sort of expecting and playing for some whistles that he wasn't getting. Um I, it should be pointed out that Millsap has been a def- deceptively effective offensive player this Completely year. Completely agree. And it, like, there's a lot of like, oh, he doesn't fit in them. I think he fits in just fine. Tonight he was just bad, and so was Jamal. Now uh, you got to give Jamal the 28 minutes, um, especially when one Malik Beasley only gets eight. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. Um, so, yeah, I just thought he was benched, man, because he wasn't good. He just yeah, wasn't good. He just wasn't good in this game. Uh, what's next on your pick and pod list? I was going to finish my first point with we talked about having to play a clean game. Oh, my Let's, bad, yeah. No, you're good. Let's talk a little bit about the defense, though, because that was the second key to victory, as yes. identified by Malone. And, boy, that wasn't there either. That The Utah Jazz are not a good offensive team. And, and they looked like the Golden State Warriors tonight. I have a take. I think Quinn Snyder deserves a lot of credit for this win tonight. Because Quinn Snyder had Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert running 33-foot high pick and rolls tonight. Like, then they knew that the Nuggets just weren't able to either contain the physicality of Donovan Mitchell, or they couldn't contain Rudy Gobert getting to the rim. So they just stretched him all the way out. And because of that, they just got as many open threes as they could want. And the execution was just not there from Denver that high up. Yeah, they kept running it too, which is sometimes you there's like, Basketball can be very complicated at this level, and sometimes you go, man, they can't defend that. Just run it over yeah. and over and over again. Yeah, it's like the old football adage. If they can't stop it, keep running it, and that's exactly what this was. Towards the beginning and the end of this game, Jokic was dropping occasionally on those Gobert pick and rolls, but they were, I thought, for most of the game trying to get out and hedge and, and, yeah. and contain him a little bit, and uh, it seemed like guys were guys were having trouble fighting through screens. Yeah. Torrey Craig, I thought, was forced under on screens when Mitchell was really feeling it and shooting it well from deep. He had trouble fighting over screens. And of course, credit to Mitchell, who was incredible. He was so good tonight. When the pressure was properly applied, he split it. Um, And and really what we're leading to here is that that weak side defense, that backup defensive layer there, it was just awful. And really where that awfulness started and ended and the guy that really, like, because with defense, you have to all play on a line. If that line breaks anywhere, you immediately start to collapse from within. And Will Barton was just not there defensively tonight. And I want to preface this by saying Will Barton has played, this is his fifth game since October 20th. So it's not fair to expect him to come out playing the most minutes he's played since the second, since the first game of the season and expect him to be completely locked in as if he's been playing for 30 games defensively. That's not fair to ask of him, but... With that being said, he was bad defensively tonight. Yeah, he got torched on ball when he was switched on to Mitchell. He was really lost off ball. There were a couple of possessions where yeah. he, he flat out didn't know where Jay Crowder was. Yeah, And of course, you know, there's the and ones on the threes that were poor contests. Yeah. He, he, you know, those... Those fouls were his fault. And look, this is none of this is to say, hey, we're pinning this loss on Barton. Because that's not the case. No, it's just both sides of his uh, his performance on both sides of the ball are noteworthy tonight because 29 minutes, that's the most we've seen of Barton since game one. Yeah. And the defense was not good. On the flip side, TJ, Barton was eight for 13 from the field tonight, four for five from deep, nine rebounds, uh, five assists. I thought he played really well offensively. Yeah. I know some people are talking about how he threw starters out of their rhythm. I, the starters just weren't in rhythm. I mean, yeah. Jamal Murray, it didn't matter whether it was Barton or Beasley or whoever on the court with Murray. He didn't have it. 
Yeah. Paul Millsap wasn't very good. I thought everyone looked a little panicked and just disjointed. So Yeah. It felt like one of those old school games from like the negative a couple of years ago where the offense is just not working and they're like, please, Will, can you just go get buckets for us when we need it? Yeah. And he did when they needed it. And that's what Will Barton brings to this team is a guy who can literally just put his head down, get to the rim, kick out to shooters, hit pull-up threes. Like he had that pull-up three at the end of the third quarter. That was filthy. Like he just stepped up and nailed that shot in Mitchell's face, and that was a huge bucket for Denver to keep them close it you you make a very salient point that the Nuggets just aren't in this game without Will Barton yeah Nikola Jokic and Will Barton carried that offense without a doubt and And, and I don't think this was uh because Barton was looking for his everyone was taken out of what they do I think no one was had it going and so Barton took it upon himself if we're keeping it real about Will which we should that's our job it's the defensive Mm -hmm. stuff that's where you can look at it and go not his best game we didn't get a chance to talk to him after the game uh, knowing him, he probably would have owned up to that. Yeah. So interesting game from Will, but really sort of the bigger takeaway is I would say he's awfully close to starting. Yes, yes. that's a, It's just something that I wanted to talk about as well. I actually had it written down in my notes. Will Barton, well, Michael Malone after the game tonight was very uh, complimentary of Will Barton and the way that he played, especially offensively, and said that it's going to be, what did he say, very soon or kind of soon? He's, in some sense, he alluded to the fact that it's going to be sooner than we originally expected for Will Barton to get back into the starting lineup. I would say it might be coming up potentially next game honestly that becomes interesting because we're having these conversations now collectively fans media about sort of craig versus barton in that barton will eventually be in there right yeah malone said will barton is our starting small forward craig's been valued for his on-ball defense i i know you and i disagree a little bit i didn't think he was that good tonight i thought he got disrupted by screens it's not necessarily his fault that mitchell just went off yeah but Mitchell did, and he was the primary defender on Mitchell for most of the night. And and that's to say, if he's not having this massive star-stopper defensive impact, he does affect the spacing on the offense a little bit. Now, all of that, all of that being said, he's been playing, and they've been winning anyway. And so I, maybe the bigger issue than Craig offensively was just Jamal and Millsap not having yes. it going. But it'd be nice to see Will in there uh, with the starters because I just think that group is going to be fire offensively. Yeah. I'm going to come to Tory Craig's defense here. I hear what you're saying, and when Mitchell goes off for 35 points on 12 of 25 shooting and 6 of 10 from 3, with Craig being the primary defender, every single word you said is true. Like, I'm not going to sit here and argue that. But I will say this. Tory Craig was absolutely a helpful player in this game from start to finish. Like, there were defensive issues that everybody had, but I pin that more on the fact that Tori Craig and Nikola Jokic, who I thought was pretty good defensively in this game tonight, those two did not have any help behind them when Paul Millsap wasn't on the floor. Like, Gary Harris was a bad defender tonight. Yeah. And on top of that, like, when you have Gary Harris and Will Barton just missing defensive rotations entirely, it doesn't matter how good you are at the point of attack, because when you hedge and they have pick and rolls that far out... That you need that defense behind you to be able to allow you to do what you do. And Torrey Craig tonight, offensively even, I thought was still very good. Three of eight from the field. He had eight rebounds, two assists, two steals, four blocks, zero turnovers. He had the best plus minus of any starter on the team. He played more minutes than anybody on the team. I thought overall that he was one of the better players on the floor for the Nuggets tonight. Certainly, you're not probably gonna, third best. I'm not going to sit here and, and and pin the loss on Torrey. And again, yeah, that's that. The, the losses on the defense, if right. we're honest, with the three point defense right. is why they lost. But this I game. just thought that you know part of it, part of it was Torrey's inability to fight over screens. But yes, that's, you're right. Look to. Ultimately, this conversation is to say, 
I think things will slide into place a little bit. When Barton becomes the starter again and, and Gary and, and Barton get healthy, like I think Craig plays really well with the bench. I think you can still I extract agree. this value from Craig and he'll be a part of Denver's success going forward. I just, to me, it's not really a question. Like, I, I just think the offense will look better with another shooter in the lineup. And yeah. Will Barton was four for five from deep tonight, so the offense looks good from Will. Yeah, completely agree. Um, let me think. What's next? What is something else you wanted to hit on real quick? Do, do, do. Oh, Gobert's defense on Nikola Jokic tonight. Yes. Gobert yes. read some scouting reports. Professional <laughs> basketball player. Jokic, it seemed at times he was, when Jokic had the ball in the low post, or maybe had moment. He, he actually beat Gobert off the drive from yes. the perimeter a couple yes. of times. Yes, he had that left-hand finish. But Gobert was so ready for those Jokic dump-off passes mm-hmm. to that dunker, whether that be... It, it normally is Mason Plumley, by the way, yeah. who couldn't play tonight, couldn't rise up above him. It ended up being Craig often or Millsap. But, but Gobert just quickly turning and switching and saying, all right, Jokic will probably get 20 points, but can we cut off his playmaking, right? Yeah. And I just thought his his instincts in terms of of being able to read those passes, turn around, contest shots, and watching him in person. This is something I think we all know. With Gobert, you got to look past those block total, man, because yep. he just every shot, every interior shot was was somewhat impacted by his presence tonight. Completely agree. And also, the a big reason for the for the the Utah Jazz winning tonight was that he had seven offensive rebounds, which led to them outscoring Denver in second chance points, twenty two to seventeen. He was also seven for nine from the line. Yeah, props to him. And, and, and some of those were shot, clutch time free throws. And you're sitting there hoping the imposing center misses some free yeah. throws. And and he he was he was just ready to play, man. Good game from Rudy. Obviously, Jokic got here. Yeah, it's time to talk about some happy stuff. And that yeah. Nicole Jokic's game on Rudy Gobert was phenomenal tonight, right? Like, oh, that yeah, was the... just staggering what he was able to do against Rudy Gobert. Oh, 21 rebounds. I mean, a tie in a career high, 21 rebounds. 28 points. The shooting was rough to start. He ends up finishing 10 for 21 from the field. Yeah, yeah. Jokic was awesome tonight, man. And he did it on one of the, arguably the best defensive center in the entire NBA. And he was able to get whatever he wanted in that in that second half, man. I was really, really impressed by his ability to really just handle this team. Um, so, this, so the one big thing, this is a bad loss, I think. Oh yeah, like I, this is a really this is a loss that's going to sting, and that you're going to potentially have to come back to and realize that if you would have gotten this game, it would put you in a lot better position. I'm, look, I'm actually not worried about this game in terms of results. I mean, every loss matters to me. It's a process thing. Of it seemed like the head coach Michael Malone's priority tonight was to get that defensive focus back, and this was one of the worst defensive performances from the year. So if your two goals in are play clean offensively and play well defensively, and you accomplish neither of those things, yeah. that's a bad loss. And then on top of that, you have Malone talking about how he had players tonight that were not mentally ready to play in addition to that. Right. So it feels like a lot of these different issues that have been slowly creeping up from the surface are finally coming to a head all at the same time. And the Nuggets are going to have to figure out how to alleviate these issues because these are issues that can continue to grow and fester and become worse and worse and worse. And they need to get these things figured out pretty quick. Look, I'm not going to sit here and, and overreact to look they ultimately Utah had an A plus game from offensively. It's a good point for sure. A lot of that is Denver's fault, but it's also the case that Utah just doesn't usually shoot that well. And the the bounces went Utah's way tonight, I yeah, thought. Yeah, the 50-50 balls definitely went Utah's way. And so way. you fight through a rough performance from two starters, a great performance from the other team, some tough luck, and that's a close game on the road. So I'm not sitting here and freaking out, but 
I just think it's noteworthy that Malone has spent the entire month of January telling us, the media, I'm worried about the defense, and that's why they lost tonight. they got to get that back on track. Also, credit to your question during pregame. I literally almost laughed out loud when you said, we've talked about this in pretty much every single press conference we've done, but the defense is slipping, and I about lost my Yeah, crowd. I'm hearing you loud so and clear, funny. Coach. It's, it's important to you, <laughs> and it didn't seem important to his starters tonight. I will say this, though. The second half defense was significantly better. In the first half, Utah shot 56% from the field. They finished at 43%. They held them to like 31% shooting from the field. They were like 6 of 19 from 3 in the second half. So they did ratchet it up, but the issue is that they don't come to play defense. They turn it on when they need to, which is an issue. They need to be able to just be a good defensive team consistently. Yeah, no doubt. You got anything else from this game, man? I'm pretty much done, I think. Well, we got to talk about Malik Beasley only playing 8 minutes. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, rant. Get, Get it off your chest, kid. Well, I just... To me... Some people are like, well, this is what happens when Barton comes back. First of all, they only played seven guys tonight. Yes. So, like, there were minutes for Beasley. Craig played 40. And as I know you think Craig played well tonight, and I'm certainly not saying he was the problem. There were minutes to be had for Malik tonight. They weren't there. You know, Malone said that there were some guys he didn't feel like were ready to play mentally. I'm, start, I'm thinking Beasley probably falls under that category. Who knows? Maybe they got into some beef or something, right, early on in the game. But he did not love where Malik's head was at. And, and I asked him after the game. Was it an injury? Like eight minutes is is f- too few for a guy who's been shooting really yeah, well, been killing it recently in a game where you're not shooting well. He said, "No, I just went with the guys I thought gave us the best mm-hmm. chance to win." My read on that was he's upset with Malik one way or another here. Um, and look, Malone knows his team better than we do. Like yes. and it's not to say he's infallible, and like questions of of any coach's rotation mm-hmm. are fair game. That's how this works. But there are factors that we may just flat out be missing. Maybe he and Beasley fought about a, a coachable moment early in the game, and he said yeah. enough. You know? And we, did, we don't know. We just don't know. But it's it's noteworthy that at, at the moment, your best shooter from deep was was exiled in a game where you needed a three. He did not play in the second half of this game. Yeah. At all. Um, and also, Wancho played a random six minutes. Like, I thought it was strange that Malone had Balik play about eight and Wancho play about six. Like, why are you really going to split those guys up and give them such few minutes? you got to stick with one of them and have them play 13 or something minutes if you're going to do that. So, I do agree. I think that you hit it on the nose with that. So, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Malik down the line and see what the Nuggets really plan for him. Because there are teams who are interested in Malik Beasley. He is a very hot commodity for what he has as a skill set. Yeah, but there are ways There are ways that he can still be a part of this team. Oh, he, absolutely. So tonight, is. Is, it, to me, it's not like, oh, what What have we learned about the rotation? To me, the question is, what happened? Yeah. Why, why, why only eight? And it must have been something off the court, I think, yeah. between Malone and, and Beasley. What do you think about Trey Lyle's game tonight? He played well. He played well against his former team. Um, it's as well as we've seen him play in a while. That's for sure. There were, I thought, some moments in that third quarter, that fourth quarter, where the game got really close, and and maybe Trey took some ill-advised shots. In his defense, no one else had it going, especially on that bench. He was killing it, and on that he was bench feeling there. himself. So, you know, but Craig and 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 Trey on the floor at the same time kind of seems like a disaster to me. Yeah, but you know, look, the rotations are out of whack tonight because. There were ejections. One of their, <laughs> one of their most important players got ejected. So, yeah, I think that's all I got. That is it for the Denver Nuggets Daily Pick and Pod podcast. I think that that's what we're calling it now, whatever this is. But thank you guys so much for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate the support. I will have a new podcast coming up after the Nuggets take on the Suns in a couple days back at the Pepsi Center. So we will talk to you guys then. Until then, have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you soon.